0: It's great to see you guys again. Tom and Lisa from Calvary Baptist, every Deep Real Ministries, another Sunday night. So uh, we always start in prayer, so I'm gonna do that. And you okay over there? Oh yeah. You got the tangles, I can yeah. Yeah, yeah, little tangle things here. Yeah, I know how that is. So I'm gonna pray. So so my hair works too. And then we'll get started father in heaven we just thank you for this time we thank you for these wonderful wonderful ladies uh thank you for samanka and uh, all we do here lord be with us in our conversation may be the holy spirit that drives what we're talking about may uh, your words come through my mouth and reach their hearts we pray this in christ's name amen so last week i was here we were here we were all here and we talked about getting close to god remember that a little bit and we talked about how how part of that is really on us Because God's always there, and uh, but we have barriers in place. We talked about all those kind of things. You don't have to remember; just go watch my videos. (laughs) org. No, just kidding. Um, It is TomMann.org, or HeavyDeepAndRealMinistries.com. I want to follow up on that tonight. I want to follow up on this getting close thing. One of the biggest barriers we have to being close to the Lord is discouragement. Anybody ever been discouraged? Yeah. There's a lot to be discouraged about, to be honest with you. And, and when we're discouraged, it's difficult for us to get in that place where we have the spiritual fruit of love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, that Galatians 5.22 piece. And so I want to talk about discouragement tonight, because I think that um, if we're just honest, uh, not, not everything in life is happy-go-lucky. Not everything is roses and unicorns and sunshine. And how do we, how do we get through that? What does Scripture say about that? And so I wanted to kind of run you through that you're not the only people to get discouraged. Think Adam and Eve were discouraged when they got kicked out of the garden? It's like, oh, Man. bummer. <laughs> now we got to work. Think that David was discouraged ever? You know, he wrote all these Psalms. He was very discouraged. He was very down. He actually had like either PTSD or depression or something. He was, he was a pretty down guy. He, he, he says in, in Psalm 22, why have you forsaken me? He's feeling absolutely disconnected from God. He doesn't feel the Lord with him. Ever feel like that? You know he's there, but don't feel it. David did. That's 5,000 years ago. He says, why are you so downcast, my soul? A little bit of depression spiral, right? So so even King David, who's one of our Bible heroes, they wrote a whole book called Lamentations. Which is Israel goes into captivity, and and Jeremiah the prophet writes this entire book about how bad things are. He was pretty discouraged. Um, the Israelites with Moses, do you think the Israelites got discouraged? I mean, they they get to the they get to the uh, Red Sea. And they're like, oh, why don't we just go back? They're going to kill us. I mean, they, they were just such wimps. They just kept giving up, right? And then the Red Sea opens up, I'm like, oh, yay, God. And, and then they don't have water. And they're like, oh, we don't have water. And are discouraged. And then we, we make the water good. And, and, and then they didn't, have, they didn't have meat. And so the, God gives them the quail. I mean, they were always complaining about something. Where's Moses? He hasn't come down to the mountain. Let's make a bull. These guys were discouraged. And you notice by what they did, every time they were discouraged, what kind of decisions did they make? such great decisions because they were making decisions out of their emotions they were making dis- decisions out of their despair and discouragement right so one of the things we learned thus far is perhaps when you're making decisions uh, you, you, you've got to make sure where your emotions are because we've already said that your emotions are a liar the heart is most deceitful thing right so when we get really discouraged i think that's one of the worst emotions we have because we're, we're already depressed we're down we don't think anything's going to work out so we start to take things into our own hands don't we it doesn't look like God's gonna act well I guess I will and we all know how that works out yep. yeah that's so great sometimes Sarah Abraham's wife got discouraged because she didn't have a son that was promised her so she gives Abraham her husband the the slave Hagar and they have Ishmael and then she didn't like Ishmael at all right and she didn't like Hagar at all sends him off to go die you got Elijah Here's a great scene this Elijah is a prophet and he takes on the Baal priests I don't know if there's the story or not, but they have this thing where they're going to have a priest off and uh, the Baal priests against Elijah and the Baal priests were supposed to have an offering and, and and their God was supposed to consume it and they can't make it happen all day and night they're chanting and dancing and doing it they can't nothing happens. Well Elijah takes his offering, pours water on it, makes sure it's saturated and soaked and stuff and just goes. God, do your thing. God consumes it. And at that point, people go, oh, the God, Yahweh. And then they kill the Baal priests. But that's not the end of the story. So Elijah's feeling pretty good, right? And then the queen, Jezebel, says, I swear to you, by this time tomorrow, what you did to the Baal priests will be done to you. And he flees. And he basically says, God, kill me because he's so discouraged. Now, there's a great T-shirt out there I want you to know about. So, so, so Elijah says, God, kill me. And God says to him, why don't you take a nap? Here's some food. And he, got, he did, and he felt better. So the moral of the story is a nap and some food will make pretty much every situation better. Jonah ran away from God because he was discouraged because he didn't want to help the Ninevites. He hated the Ninevites. He thought they should be smotin'. Is that a word, Smoten? Smote? Yeah, smoting. <laughs> so he runs away because he doesn't want to do God's bidding. He's discouraged. And he's on the ship. And the ship's rocking and rolling. They throw him in the ocean, right? Now, the great the great part about the, the Jonah story is that he comes around. He, he gives the message to the Ninevites. And they're the only people ever to listen to a prophet. And they turned around. They turned their ways. And at the end of the book, Jonah's still complaining to God that they actually agreed. He's like, I just can't believe those people. can't believe you're even saving them. You know, Ninevites are not Israelites. They're Canaanites. And so, you know, Jonah was still mad at the end of the book. Prejudice. Oh, oh, you're going to a place. I've got to be careful. Paul, was he ever discouraged? I pleaded with the Lord to take the thorn out of my side that Satan put there as a messenger from Satan. I pleaded with him three times, and God said, My strength, my, uh, my grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. He was discouraged, right? He was discouraged. He said, Oh, what a wretched man I am. I don't do what I want to do. I do the things I don't want to do. I'm a wretched man. He's discouraged. So and Jesus, everyone's like, ah, oh, Jesus, little lamb guy. No. He was a pretty tough guy, but he was discouraged sometimes. Do you remember the parts of Scripture where he's like, How long do I have to put up with you people? <laughs> I mean, just like, can you believe they're doing it again? <laughs> he, he says at one point, that, you remember when the fig tree He kills that fig tree, says it's never going to grow again. It's it's a representation of Israel on how they're not. He says, how I long for you to come and I would just take you under my wings and you would be my flock and I'd protect you. But he's he's weeping over this. He's grieving because Israel won't come to him. They won't recognize him. They won't accept him. So scripture from Adam to, in the Old Testament, uh, Malachi, one of the prophets, from Matthew all the way to Revelation, there's discouragement. You know, in Revelation, this is the one that kills me. God is doing these things. The bowls are being opened. The seals are being broken. The people are are having all this, this tribulation, and they know it's God. And they're shaking their fist at God in rebellion against him. How discouraging must it be for God to go, you know who I am? You know I'm doing this, and you're still rejecting me? How discouraged do you think God's ever been with you? I think I have a, like a whole section of the library <laughs> for God. See, it's not that he doesn't love us. He gets discouraged. Ever been discouraged with somebody? Yeah. yeah. Who do you think you're most discouraged with sometimes? Yourself. Yeah. We're most discouraged with ourselves because we have expectations. We have ethics. We have morals. We have values. We have uh, expect, uh, we have like duties and honors, that kind of thing, and we don't meet them. Sometimes they're too high. We're not being realistic with ourselves, but sometimes they're right where they're supposed to be, and we're still knuckleheads. And we don't we don't get there. And we get very discouraged. So a couple of places you can get discouraged. You can get discouraged in a relationship, right? Relationship with yourself, relationship with your peers, your co-workers, your spouses. You can get in 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 even with God. everybody been discouraged with God because He didn't answer you, didn't act in your timeline? Ever been discouraged? You know, I'm going to read you some scriptures, and I'm going to tell you that God knows. So don't really think that you're su- surprising God when you're discouraged with them. He knows. I, I, I typed in discouragement. Actually, I, go, I like to go to Google, go, Scripture, and put a word in. And I got like 22 pages of verses, actually uh, 15 pages of discouragement, just talking about discouragement in scripture, what you do about it, right? So it's not like God didn't address the issue. It's not like like we have depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress, uh, OCD, bipolar, schizophrenia, personality disorder, all the different things we get, right? Addiction, uh, genetic issues, whatever it might be. It's not like it's not all addressed in here. It's all in here. You just got to be familiar with it to know where to look. Sometimes it's in our Bible heroes. We can see how their lives play out and how they do it. Sometimes it's just direct. Sometimes it's indirect. Sometimes it's a parable that Jesus tells, right? A story that Mirrors life. So, the the, the thing that struck me is you're not alone. You know, sometimes we think we're the only ones that go through what we go through, and we're not. uh, Lisa and I do a lot of marriage counseling. It's not just our marriage that has (laughs) discouragement, believe me. And if you think like we're the perfect married couple, come live with us for a week. We have our discouragement, we have our moments mostly her fault. (laughs) She's trying to harsh my groove all the time. I don't know what's going on with that, but, (laughs) but the beautiful part is God knows. And there's nothing that we experience and go through that God hasn't given us some answers for. And so I want to encourage you this way first, before we talk about what scripture says. Understand, one, you're not alone. Two, God has placed the body of Christ around you for those moments when you're in discouragement. You know, Scripture tells us very clearly we're supposed to lift each other up. We're supposed to be an encouragement. We're supposed to edify one another. We're supposed to be there for each other. Don't stop meeting like some people do. The reason we're not supposed to not stop meeting is because we need each other. You know, the only day I get discouraged in days that end, and why? There's always something in my day that's like, yeah, it's like, a, yeah, I mean Monday morning. How many of you wake up Monday morning? Just bright eye, bush tail Let's go. <laughs> if anybody raised your hand, please come see me afterwards. I want whatever you're taking. Because <laughs> I wake up and it's like, ah, here we go again. Right? It's kind of discouraging sometimes. So let's go. Let's get into some scripture. <laughs> because I printed it all out, I got to do something with it in Psalm 42 and this is this is the choir master a um, b- bunch of people wrote psalms primarily David but there are these guys called the choir masters of different people it says this as a deer pants for the flowing streams my so pants my soul for you this guy's lonely <laughs> right this guy think about that your soul not not your emotions not your head not your soul is crying out for the lord anybody ever been there I definitely have my soul thirsts for God for the living God when shall I come and appear before God my tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all day long where is your God that's a that's harsh I mean, think about what this guy's saying. He's, he's, he's being made fun of because he's crying out to God. God's not really answering him at this point. How long do I have to wait for this? And everyone's making fun of me because I still believe in you, and you're not acting in my life. Wow, that's discouraging. That's just not very positive. But the beautiful thing about Psalms is you can't stop reading there. The Psalms are always have this formula where it, it cries out to God, and then there's a response where they say, but we know, God, you're with us, and you are who you are, and all these different things. Um, he writes a little later. My soul is down. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of the Jordan and of Hermon and the Mount Mazar, Deep calls to deep, at the roar of your waterfalls. Have you ever been in nature and just felt the Holy Spirit? Just felt it. You're like, this is weird, but I know God's with me right now, right? So this this writer is saying. This is what's happening. I'm, 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 I'm panting. I need you so badly, and I'm just not having it. People are making fun of me because you're not acting in my life. But, you know, there's times I'm out there, and I, I know you're there. So what we learn from that? We learn that we're going to get discouraged, and we're going to feel like God's not close. We're going to feel like we're, we're thirsting after Him. We want everything about us wants Him. I'm not. I'm not feeling it. But then it says, He's there. He's got nowhere to look. Right? Let's go to Psalm 22. We'll go backwards because, you know, I can't tell numbers. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is what Jesus said on the cross. He was actually quoting Psalm 22. This is David. It wasn't, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I'm going to write a nice poem. It was, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where are you? What are you doing? Ever been that way? in the depths of your misery, going, really? You ever done that, God? I do the whole time. Really? You've got to be kidding me. Sometimes I use other words. But he says here in verse 3, yet yeah, you are holy, enthroned on praises. See, David does this. He cries out and he lets his feelings be known. He just takes a deep breath because he gets it out and vents. And says, God, I know who you are. So that's our first thing we're supposed to learn here is when we're having those days of discouragement, you absolutely tell God about it in whatever language you have to. God's big enough. He's an adult. He can handle it. You can tell God, I'm really hurting here. This situation stinks. I don't like this at all. God's like, yeah, I know. And then you start to think because he answers, the holy spirit you you start to feel that and you're like oh yeah i know who you are i know i know you meet me in my circumstances you don't keep me from circumstances i know that you're going to protect me i i know the history i know you answer prayers i know all this stuff but right now i'm whining and it's okay because god wants you to talk with him so that's the first lesson we learn about discouragement how do we get around discouragement we we go up when i'm discouraged with her and she's discouraged with me a lot of times, we're the worst person to talk to at that moment. Because, again, we make bad decisions when we're discouraged. Instead, we both go up. And God tells her to, um, you know, calm down. It'll work out. God tells me to go take my medication. And then it all works out. Because I'm more compliant. But here's what we do instead when we're, when we're in discouraged. We look for worldly things as a Band-Aid, don't we? Anybody like shopping therapy? I love shopping therapy. It's the best thing in the world. I love shopping therapy. So when I'm down and discouraged, Amazon is my best friend. They bring packages right to my door. And those people like me. You know, they're always friendly. Yeah, they're always, it's great. That's not my problem. As long as they're at my doorstep being smiley. We look for worldly things to fill holes in us that only really God can fill. I always tell people this that if you have a broken soul, the only person that can fix a broken soul is the person who made it. And there's nothing in this world that's going to fix your broken soul because nothing here made it. Only God did. And that's why when we're discouraged, and it's not just we're in a bad mood, discouragement isn't I'm just having a bad hair day, which I'm sure you never have. Oh, wrong. oh, I'm wrong. It is a soul-crushing event, this discouragement. And it spirals, doesn't it? Something triggers it, and it just goes down and down and down and down. And we look for things in the world. We look for relationships. Anybody had a bad relationship because you were spiraling? We look for it in um, entertainment. We look for it in uh, adult beverages and other things. We look for it in, in people. We look for it in work. That was mine. You know, find your solace by working 80 hours a week. Right? You look for it in money. You look for everything in this world, and nothing satisfies. Nothing will get you out of that discouragement because nothing here is meant to. Right? It'd be like I, I'm getting older and I don't see so well, so I got these little reader glasses, 2.0s. <laughs> <laughs> it would be like if I tried to read with a hearing aid. <laughs> doesn't work, right? You got to use the right tool, and the right tool for discouragement is going to the Lord, because that's what David does, and that's what the scriptures say to do. So our first example. Let's get into some other scriptures, though. They're really fun. You ready? You know this one. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Don't lean on your understanding. You're stupid. Wait. That's the message version, I guess. Don't lean on your own understanding. Sometimes when we're discouraged, we want to make decisions to get us out of discouragement. And some of those decisions are not what God has for us. Now, I always tell people that that are struggling with things that this Bible says don't do. And the culture says it's okay, but this says don't. You can do whatever you want. You got free will. Scripture says all things are permissible, not all things are good. What I tell people is that's not what that's not what the best thing God has for you. You could do it. You know, if you, if, if you want to have three shots of tequila to calm your nerves so you can sleep, you can do it. That's not what God has for you. That's not the best for you. God has something different that's better. But most people never know that because they don't try God. They don't think God's going to come through. They don't trust God. And so what I'm always saying is, don't lean on your own understanding. Because we're, we're flawed. I mean, how many mistakes in life have we made? You just took a look at your life and said, here's all my decisions. How many were correct? You're lucky if you're 50-50, right? I'm lucky if I'm 30-70. Don't lean on your understanding. Understand God has what's in your best interest on his heart, and he wants to give it to you. So in your discouragement, go to him and do what the Holy Spirit says, no matter how crazy it sounds. Right? I want to get some good ones here. I got them all highlighted, but I like this one. In Corinthians, um, 2 Corinthians, Paul says this. He says, for this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond our comprehension. So it doesn't feel like a light momentary affliction, right? Even when I get like stabbed, today I was out and I had killed this holly bush and the leaves died and I grabbed a ball for one of my dogs and the holly bush stuck me. That did not feel like a light momentary annoyance. (laughs) That was like very annoying. And it kind of consumed my world for a minute. At least consumed my brain for a second, right? At least don't think like, like light moments. However, what are we comparing it to? Yesterday, tomorrow? Or are we comparing it to keep your eyes on heavenly things, not earthly things? Do you have your perspective right? Most of us don't, let's be honest. Most of us are looking at worldly things. Every day we're consumed by the world, and that's our number one priority is the world. We're not thinking about heaven. We're not thinking about eternity. We're not thinking about any of that prism. We're just going, you know, we're just living our lives trying to make it work. Scripture doesn't say that, though, does it? It says, keep your eyes on heavenly things. And the reason is, this place is, there's trouble. Jesus said, you'll have trouble in this world, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He didn't say, you're going to have trouble in this world. No, you're not. You're Christians. Just getting psyched. no, you're in trouble in this world. What are you going to do when you have trouble? Are you going to rely on these worldly things, or are you going to rely on heavenly things? Yeah. But is it easy? Is it easy to remember that in the middle, in in the heat of the moment? It's like everything else. You have to train yourself to do it. And if you don't do it repetitively, it doesn't become a habit. If it doesn't become a habit, there's no muscle memory to it. And if there's no muscle memory, you won't do it. right. That's why pastors like me are always, you know, hey, read the Bible, hey, pray, hey, do this, hey, do that. It's not because we're like killjoys and don't want you to spend your time having fun. We want you to have muscle memory so that when the proverbial caca hits the fan, your first instinct is up, not out. And if you don't train it, it won't happen. I'm just guaranteeing you. See, this is how God knows. This is in Proverbs 13. He says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. All right? But then he says, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. So right there, and this is Solomon writing to his son, who was a knucklehead, by the way. It's Rehoboam, and you know what he did. Hope deferred makes the heart... Anybody right now hoping for something, but it's not happening quite yet? Yeah. Makes your heart sick. Hurts. And that's when you cry out to God, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> hello. And God, God will tell you something. He will either say, you're not ready yet. He will say, you're ready, but the people that you're going to engage with, well, they're not ready for you yet. I get that one a lot. <laughs> the situation isn't ready. Something's not ready. Timing's got to be perfect, right? Have you ever tried to force God's hand? Yeah, it don't work. Timing never works that way. And so... God cares. He knows. It's not like he doesn't know this stuff. Sometimes we feel when we're discouraged and no one gets us. You know what our greatest hope in our humanity is? Someone gets us. We're all searching for that connection of someone who gets us. Thanks. (laughs) Jesus gets you. Think about his life. He had no place to lay his head. He was a man of sorrows. He was so fearful at one point, he he sweat blood. He loved so deeply, he gave everything for somebody else. He knows our pain. I mean, the only solace you have in life, even when his friend died, he wept. The only solace I have in life, to be honest with you, because no one gets me, (laughs) you're probably lucky, um, is Jesus gets me. And when I talk to him, even when I'm in discouragement, and believe me, I've had a bunch over the past uh, 15 years, um, man, I can be honest. He's like, Tom, I get it. And that's really what I want to hear. I don't need someone to fix everything all the time, do you? But you need someone to get it and say, I'm with you. And that's Jesus. But we're not going to him in our discouragement. We're going elsewhere. You know, when, when I was self medicating because of my PTSD, um, that's where I went. I was discouraged all the time. I had all of that, all the things you have with PTSD the hypervigilance and the trust and the ang- all that stuff. But if I drank enough, calm me down. And Satan had me convinced that that was the way to do it. At least you're a nicer person, because I was a happy drunk. And I was much nicer to people when I was drinking than I ever was when I was sober. And Satan had me convinced that that was the route. God wasn't the route. What did he, what did he do to you before? He let you go through all those circumstances. He, he, he allowed this and that and the other. He allowed you to be abused. He allowed you to be homeless. He allowed you not to eat. He allowed your mom to be crippled. He allowed your dad to go to jail. He allowed all this stuff. He's sovereign, isn't he? Didn't he do all that crap to you? Have a drink. Isn't that subtle? Isn't that a way to break you away from God and not trust? So, in my discouragement, I didn't go to God. I shook my fist at Him. So, I know this because I've been on both sides of this. Rejoice and hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be patient. How many of you have been through things? Everyone has a hand. How many got through those things? Yay, raise your hand because you've survived 100% of what you've been through. Yay. we got to be patient in tribulation to recognize that this too shall pass. Maybe like a kidney stone, but it's going to pass. <laughs> this is what Paul said. I just love this verse. He says, we are afflicted in every way. Okay, he didn't say we're afflicted because I have athletes, but no, I'm afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed, no idea what's going on. I don't know what God's doing. But not driven to despair. We're persecuted. But we're not forsaken. We're struck down. People are like physically beating them. But we're not destroyed. We're always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. What he's saying is, look, I've been afflicted. I'm perplexed. I have no idea what God's doing in my life. I don't know what I don't have no idea what's going on here. We're persecuted, we're we're struck down, but we are not crushed. My spirit is not crushed. We are not going to be be driven to despair because, like, like we don't trust our Lord. We are not going to be in a place where we're destroyed by people who think that they can destroy the body, they can't touch my soul, it belongs to the Lord. And he's saying, but, you know, through what we're going through, we're going to exhibit who Jesus is. That's the job, right? And that's why James says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Consider it joy when you meet trials. Don't we all try to avoid that? Let me ask you this. If If you're a Christian, if you're following the Lord, and Satan's the prince of this world, do you think that you can live in enemy territory without going through some trials? Really? you like the French resistance or something? <laughs> Aren't we supposed to be in the limelight? Like the scripture says, shine your light. Okay. You ever notice that when you shine your light in the dark, people can see you too? The minute you shine the light of Christ, Satan goes, oh, there, oh, there she is. <laughs> there she is. So a lot of Christians stay in the dark. Shh, don't let anybody know. And Satan's happy with you. Because you're not causing any trouble. Right. So, how do we get through this discouragement? A couple more minutes. One, we scream at God. Just do it. Just cry out to him. Be honest. He already knows. You know, I don't know if you grew up in liturgical traditions like I did at one point, where it's, yeah, it's very, very solemn when you go to God. That's not relationship. I don't have a relationship with anybody where I'm very solemn with them. You know, I'm me. And when I'm with God, I'm me. And you know why? Because he created me. And he doesn't want me to put on airs or pretend anything. There's no such thing as a bad prayer. Right? First. Second. Surround yourself with a body. Let somebody help you. This is the hardest thing. Most of us are too proud. I know I was. I would not have even accepted help in my younger years. Because I was too proud to admit I had even a problem. Everyone else was crazy. I was just fine. They were nuts. You should have met them. <laughs> but it took me a long time to learn that other people can help you. Because there's this thing called divine appointments. And God puts people in your life that are his agents to do work for you on his behest. To help you in your discouragement. Yep. But we're too proud sometimes to allow someone to do that. And you know you take away their blessing when you keep them out? So get around the body. Please, please, please know what this says. There's so much remedy in here. There's so much remedy. Let's say you're a person that does not hear the Holy Spirit's whispers. You know, you're not, you're not like on that frequency, or that's just not your tradition, or whatever it might be. Okay. When the Holy Spirit speaks, He never says anything that's not in this book. If He does, it's not the Holy Spirit. That's why Scripture says, "Test the spirits." Right, this book has everything the Holy Spirit's going to tell you. So you got to know this book a little bit. And I'm not saying you know memorize it and you know write it in Hebrew backwards. I'm saying know what it says. Wouldn't it? Yeah. Stream of thought. Be humble. My last point. Because of our pride, we don't let people help, but because of our pride and our lack of humility, we sometimes don't even admit we have a problem. Okay? Now, I know all the first step of every 12-step program is admitting you have a problem, right? Well, same in Christianity. The first step to become a Christian is admitting you have a problem. It's called sin. And you can't get to Christ without admitting you have a problem, because then you don't need Christ if you don't admit you have the problem, right? Pretty, pretty simple. I go to admit I get discouraged. And I can't feel shame or guilt or anything about it. I get discouraged things bother me sometimes it's holy discontent sometimes it's just me and and how I grate and i can admit that and say i don't like it but i'm like paul i got this thorn in my side i got like 17 and god says to me my grace is sufficient for you and when you're weak i will be your strength so don't be dumb And in your discouragement, try to be a tough guy and be strong and be prideful because I will be your strength if you let me. But if you don't let me, not much I can do with that? And you have the choice. You can be strong in your own set and with all your strength, do what you can do. And then when you fall down, hit rock bottom, then you can go to God. Or you can take the shortcut and just go to God (laughs) and get the same result. So my encouragement to you tonight is this. Hey, we're all human. We're all in the same boat. We're, 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 as, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we're all experiencing the same thing. None of you is alone. Not one of you here is any different than me, Lisa, any pastor. We all have it. The more honest and transparent and vulnerable we can be with one another, the more we can help each other in these times of discouragement to lift each other up so that we can shine the light of Christ to others who may be discouraged out there and not know him. And we can say, we have an answer you don't know about. Amen. 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 All right. Thanks for your time, guys.